0: you to be in the know we look back on a weekend packed with derbies and look to look ahead to an action packed potentially a defining week to give us a real sense of who truly is in this leadership battle i'm delighted to be joined by andy dunn chief football writer at the mirror who was at old Trafford. tell me sir you've got half an hour to fill the show with on that dramatic match haven't you yeah
1: exactly I've, i've I've never looked forward to a match as much and been as disappointed by a match as much at Old Trafford. It was, um, yeah, you can understand reasons why they did cancel each other out, but even so, hugely disappointing. And probably more questions to be asked about Manchester City than Manchester United.
0: And Nick Mashita in the Midlands for PA. All the drama, all the cards, but none of the atmosphere?
2: No, it was definitely one of the games, probably one of the first games that I thought was adversely affected by a lack of crowd. It was a derby, but there was no fierce um, bite to it, really. Most of that should have been coming from the stands, um, and don't let the 11 yellow cards and two red cards fool you.
0: Don Fifield has the eyes on London for the Athletic. Tell me, are you one of the people, um, including me, that Frank Lampard chastised (laughs) post-match? Fantastic run went came to an end and he said that writers, even Jurgen Klopp, saying that he was a tit- Chelsea were a title contender are just simply ridiculous.
3: Well, they are title contenders, so yes, I was one of them. Um, in, in, a, in a division which has been wildly unpredictable all season, uh, Chelsea actually had been quite consistent you know, relatively speaking in the last fifteen games. So yeah, they're definitely in contention. They they remain in contention even after that defeat at Goodison Park.
0: We are being served up a midweek feast. Yes, it's Jurgen versus Jose Dunny. Predictions.
1: Oh, well I, I if you have to say to predict the, the outcome of that particular game, um I, I think Liverpool will will edge it. You know, I think I think Liverpool are just you know I'm one of these who, who has never really understood how people might have even Manchester City as favourites for the title, as the bookmakers did at the start of the season. You know, I just don't see how, Okay, Liverpool have had a couple of injuries, but I think they are, I still think, we talk about an open title race and let's hope that it is involving three or four teams, maybe even more than that. But I still think that Liverpool are a cut above the rest, simple as that. And that's why I think they'll probably win against Spurs. Um, but it will be a fascinating contest because Jose has got the bit between his teeth. This this idea that, you know, he's now his way of playing, that, that you know, that has brought him success against Arsenal, against Manchester City, um, relative success against Chelsea in the form of a goal-destroyer at Stamford Bridge. You know, he's it, it, it's as though his magic formula is returned and he will love going to Anfield and trying to produce exactly the same. You know, he will be having, you know, um, he'll be so excited to go there and take 25 30% of possession and come away with a win. Um, I don't think he will. I think Liverpool are too good. I think Liverpool are a are a more formidable proposition than Chelsea, than City, um, than Arsenal, certainly. So I think clock will edge it. But again, it'll be fascinating because it's just so good, so good to see... Um, Jose Marino with his mojo back, isn't it? You know, I think that has been one of the narratives of the season so far. Is is, is Mourinho finding all his old sparkle, finding all his old wit, finding all his old mischief? You know, without the sourness, without the bitterness, um, and that's why it would be great. I mean, you could not wish, could you, for two more charismatic managers than Jose Marino and Jurgen Klopp going head to head.
0: Dom, so, um, it's actually Jurgen that's got the better record against Mourinho. But with Jota out for that period of time, has he got enough up front? Imagine me saying that about Liverpool at the start of this season.
3: Look, he does have enough up front um, because Salah, Mane, and Firmino are so formidable. Um, it'll probably be. I mean it's, it's it's mouthwatering prospect when you think that there's Son and Kane on one side who would just have this telepathic understanding and and uh, uh, producing and scoring goals um so well this season. Um and and a stinginess to Spurs' defense that you'd you'd associate with uh Mourinho team in its in its pomp um from, from back in you know the the middle of the last decade really. Um so it's that in itself. I think it's a wonderful combination and an absolutely in, in, intriguing prospect of a game, but, but I, I'm, I'm with Danny. And as much as Liverpool are clearly the, if not, they, they are the favourites to win the title. Um, even with all the issues that they've had with fitness so far this season, um, they're there, they're right at the top of the division with, with Spurs and, and, you, and they're going to get better because these players are going to come back and they're going to, they're going to find their rhythm again. So, for you know, Tottenham have to make this opportunity work for them. That this is this is this has to be their chance to, yeah, to, to demonstrate that they are proper proper contenders. And if, if they can get any kind of result at Anfield, then yeah, that's well, that's when we actually sit up and take notice and think, wow, yeah, Spurs are the real deal, and this is this is genuinely a Mourinho team that can go on and. And win the title. Second, I've been sp- spending rather too much of my time in the last 10 days writing about Mourinho's second spell at Chelsea. And we, we have to g- go back to go back to that, that season when they won the title in 2014-15. They they weren't considered favourites to win the title that year. Manchester City had won it the previous year, um, and and they were the, the, the team that was going places, but Mourinho Mourinho f- forged a, a, a team that was so ruthlessly efficient at both ends of the pitch that they they actually ended up winning the, the, the title with three matches still to spare at the end of the season it was an astonishing achievement and one that we probably don't give him enough credit for and it, you just look at what he's doing at spurs now and it mirrors that it's that there is a, a solidity to them uh, at the back uh, industry in midfield and a bit of creation as well and and their front combination of Son and Kane is is the best in the division at the moment. I mean, Liverpool, if they click with their trio, are still probably the, the most expansive and, and thrilling team out there in, in the division. But, but Mourinho has got them working as a unit and that collective is quite imposing.
0: You've seen from first hand how much he can get out of a player. Diego Jota seemed to have lost all his confidence at the end of the season with Wolves, but is just flying under Jurgen Klopp.
2: Yeah, Hotter was was definitely looking jaded. Uh, I think it, towards the end of last year, perhaps one of the ones who um, suffered suffered the most because of Wolves' incredible long season, which uh, was essentially stretched to, to over a year. So, um, and the amount of the amount of effort, the amount of running that he does, uh, and what he puts into the team, I think that was always going to have have a, have an effect um, on him. But it was interesting to see how just how quickly he's adapted and how quickly he's he's got up to speed with with what is required really at, at Liverpool because it is a, a step up for balls no matter how well they have done over the last few years. Um, I spoke to Emil Heskey about it a few weeks ago and and I said well look you you moved from from the Midlands from, from Leicester to Liverpool obviously in, in a different Premier League era um 20 years ago now, just over 20 years ago. Um, what was it like for you?" Um, uh, And he was saying, well, look, you just come in there and and immediately you're just hit with these kind of world-class players and you recognise what you need to do to step up. And Naturally, you have to have that talent to be able to do it, but um, you you need to have the mentality to be able to do it as well, to not be overawed uh, from it. And uh, I think Hotter uh, has has, has certainly got that and has certainly proved it this season. you know, if if he is out for for a couple of months, as as has been suggested, then it's, it's it's going to be a big miss. For
0: Andy, we're going to come back to this half an yeah. hour. It's going to be filled with your excitement over this dire Derby. Is it fair to say mm. Um, I thought it was. I did. I did think it was time after watching that match that the uh, balance be redressed because actually. City sit below Manchester United and and you very much took that impression as well lovely lines opening lines there was a very familiar looking coach in the visitors technical area but it was surely not Pep Guardiola gung-ho Guardiola fearless Pep the manager for whom marauding attack is the be all and end all and we saw little of it
1: very little of it Carrie it it was it was very very surprising I, I think you know most people have picked up on, on, on this line um, of thinking about the game. In what was surprising, you know, United have got, let, let's let, let's get one thing straight. You know, United are off the hook, for, you know, for yesterday. They, you know, they didn't score at home. This is Manchester United at home. They weren't exactly adventurous themselves. It was in fact, far from it. You know, so, but they've got off the hook because we saw a very unfamiliar Manchester City. We saw essentially six defensive players ahead of Edison. You know, I remember covering Manchester City playing away at Leicester one day. And, and literally, he pretty much played with, with with one of the back. John Stones that day, they actually got B 42 that day. But he literally had everyone bombing on, as he does. But he ended the game with four defenders, and still in front of them, Rodri and Fernandino. And that was just so unusual to see. So when Kevin De Bruyne was picking up the ball, you, we all you know, we, we all get so familiar that he looks around and he has one option, two options, three options, four options, everywhere. This time, they weren't there. He picked out one or two good passes, but they weren't going forward with the numbers. They weren't going forward with the intent. And it was just not a Pep Guardiola performance. Now, he will undoubtedly say, well, listen, you know, United have beaten us three times. He, he, he also did point out, to be fair, how good United have been on the counter-attack this season. How they picked off West Ham, how, you know, they picked off other teams. So I get that, and I get his record against the Greys. But even so, it was really a surprise to see City um, not have the invention or the creativity to break down United's defence. Who, to be fair, coped very, very well.
0: Are you surprised he didn't bring on Phil Foden and just change?
1: I honestly thought that at a half time he would do it. I, I honestly thought that at half time he would take one of the two holders, Rodri or Fernandino, off and bring on Phil Foden. But what is going on with Phil Foden? I mean, what is going on? Ever since he had that game for England against um, Iceland, wasn't it? I think it was Wembley. He scored a couple. And basically was hailed as the uh, for the 10th time as the saviour of English football. He hasn't had a kick in the Premier League, barely. He's come on a couple of times as sub. And he obviously played against Marseille. I was at that game as well. Um, but Pep just doesn't seem to trust him in the Premier League. And I just don't know what's going on. I, you, know, you know, they missed... A game like yesterday shows how much they miss David Silver. Um, he's a player who the sort of the mood was well, here's David Silver is going off into the sunset, he's done his time, he's now just gonna go off, you know, he's passed his best, you know, a lovely emotional farewell. Well, actually, in practical terms, they've lost one hell of a player. They've lost the guy who unlocks defenses, they've lost the guy who could have picked United apart Parties today. And at the time, people were saying, Well, don't worry, it's okay. Phil Foden will fill that with Silver's boots, but he's not even getting a chance. Gareth Southgate was there, and I, and I think, you know, he was looking on thinking, you know, I can't believe Foden isn't getting the game. There, I mean, it, it was just, I, I don't know why he didn't come on. He made one substitution. This is Pep Guardiola of the five-substitute campaign um, who made one, again, he, he didn't make any, did he, the other day, and he made one, and that was like-for-like, Ferran Torres, Ferran It was just, it, it was a game that you came away with an awful lot of questions and very few answers.
0: Dom, um, you followed England a long time. Followed the rise of Harry Maguire. Um, answered some critics though yesterday.
3: Yeah, he played well, but as as Danny's just suggested, he wasn't really tested in a in a coherent way. So maybe we shouldn't judge him on that. Um, Harry Maguire's had had um, a few occasions this season where he's been exposed, and 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 other occasions where he's he's sort of rallied round and looked more like the player that is. You know more instantly recognizable, but but the reality is that there is an inconsistency in there, and that, that is the inconsistency that, that that is in Manchester United as well. We you just don't know what's gonna what type of performance that team's gonna put in. Uh, they've done well to get up the table as much as they have, and that's been largely forged on their away form, which has been startling. Um, but yeah, they we shouldn't we shouldn't. You know be reluctant to criticize them for how they're performing at Old Trafford i mean their record there is is abysmal and they were the one game they have won in the, in the league against West Brom they were distinctly fortunate to win that match given that West Brom thought they had a penalty and then they conceded a, a dubious one at the other end a few moments later so it's it's not all rosy at United either and that there are issues that need to be addressed there Donny
0: uh i know that Ooh. you um a great article on De Gea and, and question and saying he should have been dropped for that. Has he redeemed himself at all to you or does Oli Gunnar Solskjaer just need to make a big decision on this because he has a talented talented player in the background?
1: Well, 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 well I, I mean we've all been on um I mean as I say, as Dom quite rightly points out you know yesterday was no game to judge anyone on um and, and certainly not David De Gea who basically had nothing to do. I mean Morris had half a chance in the first half and basically, passed it back to David De Gea so really there was nothing else for him to do. But you've been on, we've all been in on um interviews with Dean Henderson, and I think the one that we all did with him ahead of this, um, when he was called up with the England senior squad was fascinating because he was you know very bullish that, that he wasn't hanging around Manchester United to be number two, you know. In fact, he was quite well, I, 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 he, he was affronted, let's put it that way, when it was suggested to him that you know why are you going back there to spend a season sat on a bench? You know, And, and his, he then said, well, I'm, I'm not going back there. I'm, I'm going to be number one in the Premier League. And we said, well, really? No. Well, I mean, there was no suggestion that he was. To such an extent that at the time, so that was ahead of England's internationals in September, so before the Premier League started. At the time, I came away thinking that he'd actually been almost promised that he would be the number one, hence why he signed this new contract. But that clearly isn't the case. And, you know, he's got a massive decision to make, you know, because how can he go to the Euros if he doesn't play regularly in the Premier League? Now, he's had one and a half games in the Premier League. He came on, obviously, went to game, was injured at Southampton and then played at West Ham. He did nothing wrong. You know, I, I personally think that, 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 that he is a better bet going forward than De Gea. But that's my view. But I have to say, there's nothing from Solskjaer to suggest that... that Henderson is going to get past the air and in which case come January I think Henderson has to go in and say listen I need to be getting a game of Premier League football I want to go to the Euros I want to be part of England's World Cup qualifying campaign and if I'm not number one at at United then then I'm not going to be it so it's a big big dilemma for him
0: Paul Pogba releases a statement on Instagram last night posts on Instagram saying that he'll give a thousand percent to uh, Manchester United that it's one team, and he'll he'll push forward. Um, hands up, who cares?
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I could just come in there on, on on the thousand percent line. Listen, I thought he did okay yesterday. He was all right yesterday, in the same way that most players were okay. Um, but what I just do find about this, this idea that a thousand percent, you know, Paul Pogba's thousand percent, is really odd at times. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't involve running at times. You know, so. Most people's 1,000% involves, you know, pretty much non-stop running. You know, he does get so casual at times. I think if you look back at the probably one and only clear chance of the game, when um, when um, City counter-attack and there was a lovely ball from De Bruyne into Mares, But have a look at, at, at Pogba tracking back and it's Well, when I say tracking back, that's, you know, used very loosely, you know, um, jogging back. So I think those type of moments frustrate. But he was okay yesterday. You know?
3: but, but, I mean, nothing more than that.
0: Juventus want
3: him back on loan? I think it would send out the wrong message if United were to loan Paul Pogba out to, to Juventus mid-season. I mean, there is an issue there that needs to be addressed at some stage in terms of his long-term future. Um, but I would imagine that, that that had to be done in the summer. They wouldn't be doing that mid-season. And, and, and even even next summer. I think he's got two years left on his deal, hasn't he? Mm. So, I mean, it's even next summer, they'd still want a huge huge um, transfer fee for him and I, I, I genuinely don't know whether Juventus would have that kind of money I mean there's no logic in 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 letting a player like that leave mid-season on loan because I just I just think it sends out the wrong messages but but Mina, Mina Vriola is a law unto himself he does does what he wants to do and 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 yeah within boardrooms like United they must they must dread those those articles or interviews or or however he wants to get his message out there, just dropping because it's because I mean it's just it is incendiary every single time. And uh, but Paul Pogba's got he, he can be a great player still for United. He just needs he just needs to get his head in the right place and to provide some consistency. But to be honest, you could level that at so many United players this season, and that is the reality of it, isn't it? There is not a consistent team.
0: Nick, you've been tracking Haaland and where he may potentially end up um, at his next club for quite some time. I know we've been talking about it for a few months now, but honestly, can they go to Raiola again? Other play, former players warning them, warning warning United to stay away and don't go there again.
2: Yeah, possibly not, but it's, it's also who, there's this sort of, it's still Manchester United. It's Yes, it is still Manchester United, but in kind of what, in what form? So, you, you have to argue that I mean they're, they're out of the Champions League. So if they're looking to get anybody in January, then that, that, that chance is diminished anyway. Um will they qualify for, for next year? We don't know yet, of course. So is is being Manchester United enough of a draw still? Um, the, the and who would necessarily want to go to Old Trafford when there remains question marks over the manager as well? So you'll sign for what you're signed for, for Solskjaer and then a few months down the line you're playing for somebody else so um i think that there are there are deeper problems than let's just go out and um get somebody to, to fix them um because possibly they might not be able to go out and get that person to fix those problems
0: danny is this half the problem that Manchester united just aren't the club they used to be
1: well i i i, I think nick's right you know they're, they're not the you know instant attraction that they were no, they, they can't blow everyone out of the water with their with their reputation. They they can probably compete financially, but they can't blow people out of the water financially either. But they are still Manchester United. It's interesting the the, the, the Raiola, um discussion really. I've, I've sort of I've sort of come full circle a bit on Raiola. First of all, you know we all sort of say, oh, isn't this terrible? What 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 bad timing, Raiola, opening his mouth, and you know isn't this terrible? But I sort of quite like the idea that, that, that someone asks him a question and he and he answers it. You know, someone says, This is Paul Bog- Pogba gonna stay at united. And he says, Well, no, you know, and everyone says, Oh, he well, should keep his, his mouth, you know, you get get everyone lining up on television and, and us in our newspapers and all being paid to give their opinions. And Raiola gives his opinion and he gets you know he gets hammered for it. He is only being honest. He, he's saying, Listen, Pogba's not enjoying himself in Man United, but he's going to leave. Well, fair enough, you know, that, that, and 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 this idea that that undermines sort of, you know, United's game in in, in Leipzig. Well, listen, I, I, I just can't see that. If Ole Gunnar show and the players are distracted by those comments, then they're in the wrong job. So, and, and the other thing about Raiola that I've, I find quite interesting is that, is that clearly the players like him. You know, clearly they have a, a real bond with this guy. You know, um, they could go to other agents. They could. There's plenty of them out there. But you see them and they and they have, you know, I'm Pogba... It's, it's, you know, he's not going on record and, and, and dismissing what Rayola says. He doesn't go on record and, and you know, have a go at him. And I, I find it, I find it really interesting this sort of bond that they have with this guy. I'm, I'm getting more and more intrigued by how he's become such a influential, as with Mendes as well. So I just think that. I mean, that's, that's an aside. I'm just fascinated by that. But, but but going back to your original question, you know, are United the draw they were? Well, you know, they are still a huge draw, but. But no-one now will say, Because don't forget, we're talking about, you know, I mean, a sweeping generalisation, but, but but times move on. So younger players now, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age, you know, they they, they don't associate United with the all-conquering glory days, you know, that the, 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 some of us of a certain age do. They don't know that. You know, the, the, they don't know. If you, you said to them, listen, there's Roy Keane, there's David Beckham, they'd go, who? <laughs> and that's only really natural. That's their age, though. Some of these players were born in two thousand and four, or something, you know. So it's so that's that's the way it is. So it, it, it's recruitment is not as easy for United as maybe we make out.
0: Can they really work with him again, though?
1: We're going to have to, you know. I, I mean, we, we thought that, you know, all, all through the Ferguson years, you know, and, and when they had, you know, particular sort of. I certainly when Moyes took over, I always thought uh, in the Moyes era there was a bit of a. A frisson between uh, United and um, Jorge Mendes, of course, who 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 have a lot of players at United, and and you have to get over in the end. You know, you know, no, there there, there there is a, there are three or four, as we all know, super agents who basically pretty much control the top end of the market. You know, there, there's no getting away from that. Even if they're not directly someone's representative, they somehow become involved. So you cannot run. I mean, it, it is as maybe unpalatable as some people find it, you cannot run a major club without dealing with three or four certain people. And we all know who they are. They start with Raul, then they start with Mendes and Jonathan Barnett, etc. You can't. You, you just have to deal with these guys. Like or up.
0: Talking of super agents, let's then head to Molyneux. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mendes' side. Um, and uh, talk us through that match, because you say... Uh, Two red cards, eleven yellow cards. We were talking about this as we went on air. Is football a non-contact sport, Nick?
2: Um, according to Mike Dean yesterday, I think it probably is. Um it, it, it was it was bizarre. I think the 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 the, the standard, I guess, really, of, of refereeing yesterday was was just poor. Um I can't necessarily argue about Douglas Suiz's second yellow card. Um he did. Um, he did raise his elbow, and arguably, uh, you could probably see that given as a, as a straight red as well. So um, he, he at least got one card right, um, but um, and he did get the penalty decision right as well at the end. Um, but it, they were soft. The, the game wasn't allowed to flow. Um, he, he was he was whistle happy to uh, to, to to a certain extent. Um, and it did it did impact the game um, negatively, sadly. And, and both managers made the point afterwards, where um, they felt that um, he was he was too heavy-handed.
0: And in terms of the derby and the experience of it, not having fans there, are a big impact, you think?
2: Yeah, um, as I said at the top, I thought certainly midway through the first half, it was it was really struggling to re- ignite. Um, they, they needed to be fans there for, for the players to feed off. Um, for, for the fans to feed off each other um, as well and, and, and create that atmosphere. The players, and this goes for every game since they they resumed playing um, in June, um, have done a magnificent job to kind of remain professional, remain competitive, and and to, to put on these uh, spectacles, these these shows, and these uh, this entertainment for for everybody, which is really quite needed. Um, certainly, in the second half of the year, um, but. Yeah, yesterday was uh, the, the the first time um, that I really felt that, it again, desperately, desperately needed supporters there. Um, and it was really to sort of the detriment of it that they weren't.
0: So, in contrast, at Goodison Park, Chelsea um, going there and Carlo Ancelotti saying it could have been 2,000, could have been 70,000. They already felt, felt that atmosphere. Do you think that played a part?
3: Well, it must have been nice for Everton's players to have a bit of backing go back to last season's uh, meeting between these two sides at Goodison Park where Duncan Ferguson was in charge of the Everton team waiting for Ancelotti's appointment and Everton were at a very low ebb um but he sort of whipped them up into a bit of a frenzy and they they battered Chelsea that day and uh, bullied them effectively and, and there was an element of that again on Saturday um at Goodison it was it was a uh, an aggression to to everton i mean you even we look at the, the the game's decisive moment it's a long ball that, that uh tiago silva can't deal with in the air but dominic calvert lewin uh, it was it was a bit old school the way it um the way the goal cam, comes about and the, the penalty is won and and i suspect that that having a even a small number of supporters behind them probably helped whip whip everton up into that frenzy i don't i mean we 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 can't go through <laughs> when we had crowds and players would tell us that actually it doesn't make that much of a difference um but i suspect that the last how many months has it been uh, 9 months um has has probably shown to them uh, illustrated to them that 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 football is a very different beast when when you've got uh, fans in the stadium and and yeah, and far more enjoyable, I imagine, to play in as well uh, for the, the vast uh, amount of times. Not enjoyable for Chelsea at Goodison, but but uh, it was uh, a bit of a reminder for Chelsea that really I thought uh, you know a team that's been riding the crest of a wave for a while, 17 games unbeaten in all competitions in 90 minutes, and uh, they came unstuck and they just couldn't get going. And I think Everton Everton made ensure that that was the case.
0: Dominic Calvert-Lewin against Thiago Silva it really gives you an indication of the quality of this young man.
3: I mean honestly his his transformation under Carlo Ancelotti has been phenomenal and there was always a player of of huge potential there but he's realizing that now and he's you know you, you look at you look at players who can play number 9 for England and Harry Kane's obviously the the standout but Dominic Calvert-Lewin is 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 fast pushing to to be the, the 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 deputy of choice i mean he's, he's had a, a revelatory season um and when he's on song everton are on song everton everton looked more comfortable yesterday uh, that was formation with personnel he played he went back to four at the back he had he had players still playing out of position I and mean, ben goffrey is not a left back um but rather than sort of crowbarring people into c- completely alien positions and, and then obviously the wing backs was a was a a difficult scenario for, for Carlo Ancelotti in recent weeks. They, they look more solid, they look more rugged and, 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 and exactly the type of team that was going to cause Chelsea problems because of this aggression up and down the pitch. Um, and that sort of, was as an occasion, it probably reminded Everton uh, of how good they were in those first that first month of the season when they're winning games every week. Just a little timely reminder that this is what you do best. Stick at it. Um, and that their form will return
0: two of the players that didn't shine too brightly, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, but they're going to need some time to settle in. Even Eden Hazard took his time.
3: <laughs> Weirdly, Eden Hazard didn't. <laughs> he won two, or he earned two goals for Chelsea in the first seven minutes of his Chelsea career. Um, and I unfortunately, he probably set the bar too high because you're absolutely right. It's more of a sort of... Say a Robert Pires type situation where he's where I think Kai Havertz in particular is going to have to um take a, just be given a bit of time to to get to get, to get up to the pace of, of of the game the aggression of the game and also to find a role. I mean he's a player that's played so many different positions at Bayer Leverkusen. He was at Bayer Leverkusen since the age of eleven as well. But we shouldn't forget he's been there a decade and he turns up in England this summer and I don't think Chelsea have a discernible role for him yet. They don't play as a with a 10 particularly. Um they, they have better options as number nines. Um I think when Ziyech is fit, he'll probably play on the right of that front three. So where are you going to fit Havertz in? Probably as one of these progressive number eights in, in, in the midfield three. And he will prove his pedigree. The, the, the kid is a great player. He's he's considered to be the the outstanding prospect in German football, you know, and and they, they know a bit about you know, decent players um so he will make his mark but it is just going to be a case of of letting him adjust and make his mark in time and you know thankfully for Chelsea they have other players that can that can sell and excel now I mean Ziyech was doing that until the hamstring injury Timo Werner has been doing that as well he went through a run of seven seven goals in seven games um okay the last few matches haven't have been a bit of a dip but again it's it's the relentlessness of the division and they have options. Uh, there will be time for Kai Havertz to adapt. We shouldn't be writing him off. Um, he is—he's going to be a, some player for, for Chelsea in time. But at the moment, he just looks—he can go through games and look a bit lost, and he and he did at Everton this weekend.
0: Yeah, and then the, that great opening, but he did struggle to always get into yeah. the starting lineup and really yeah, establish himself. Um And and there was frustration on both sides of that, and from fans that want to see more of him. So it's just that that peak and trough. At one yeah. point, when he got the hat trick, everyone's claiming Kai Havertz as sensation that Timo said he was against do.
3: Barnsley <laughs> that's, that's, I mean it's it's yeah, we just have to give him time and it's as, as when you pay that amount of money for a player I, I there, there is an element that you, you want instant results you want you want to see him you know dazzle from the outset but football doesn't work like that football doesn't work like that you need this 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 is a kid who's who's never lived outside Germany before he's He's coming into an alien situation. He's had COVID recently as well. I mean, this is a, a, you know, even the scientists don't know the long-term effects necessarily of of COVID. yet, And he's, he's just recovered from that. And he had it quite badly by all accounts, you know, in relation to other footballers who have suffered from it. So we just have to give him time.
0: Yeah. I I did an interview with him this, this week and we had to bleep out, how bad it really was mm-hmm. um <laughs> i give you an example when he said he didn't think at his age he'd be affected by it here uh, he got a rude awakening so a uh, very very strong message from him for anyone not taking or believing in it um andy i, I led really and mm-hmm. i should have led with chelsea um unbeaten run of 17 matches coming to an end but i came mm-hmm. led with those fans because i think this is going to be yeah. a big echo chamber now mm-hmm. um of course we want to get fans in so of course everyone was pretty much told it's 2000 fans suck it up but do you think it is giving an advantage
1: well I, I again it's another thing that i've um i've probably changed my sort of stance on when when initially the fans were allowed back in you know if you remember Bielsa and i think it was Steve Bruce both voiced concern saying well it's not fair you know we're in tier 3 areas and we can't have any fans yet yeah. How could it be that another team has fans in? It's not a level playing field. And of course, they are, you know, in, in the strictest terms, they are correct. But everyone then turned around, including Jose Marino, and said, listen, guys, you know, if we can't have 2,000 fans, we're, we're, we're living in unusual times, you know, just, just basically suck it up and get on with it, you know. But now, every time you hear about a game with fans, you hear about actually how people are so surprised so surprised at how much of a difference 2000 fans can make last sunday um when wolves were 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 soundly beaten at anfield i think it was Den donkey who, who said he was really surprised at how how influential um those fans in the cop were on that day and certainly the mood from yesterday from any medium you you you, you looked at you know was there actually the fans of goodison park Played a role in in that, and and you only have to look at the pictures when Everton were, I wouldn't say hanging on, but were, we're we're basically backs to the wall for the last ten or fifteen minutes, and we're being, you know, we're being cheered on, you know, relentlessly by these fans. So now, the more this happens, the more you're thinking, well, actually, is it really fair that 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 Leeds, you know, Leeds United would it have been a different result had they had fans um, uh, in their game um, last Friday? You know, you, you're now looking, I think we'll now look statistically as well. We'll start to look at what, um how many teams um, benefit, you know, we, we, we'll get over a couple of weeks a body of statistics that will tell you if this is making any difference. And I say anything, I think the whole fan thing is a fascinating subject. You know what, just going off, slightly off topic for the moment, we, we, we talked about Calvert-Lewin and Dom's quite right in, in, in how, you know, he, he's been, he's been transformed by Angelotti but also you know there is a school of thought around Merseyside that he's one of the players who's actually benefited from having no fans in the stadium in the sense that in the past Cal and if he's missed the chance then the Goodison crowd as you probably all know is great but it also can be one of the most critical in the country and they get on his back and there's a tendency that to affect him and maybe affect his confidence Without crowds, he, he's you know he's absolutely blossomed as a player. That might be a coincidence, but then you know we'll find out now when the crowds come back. But on the general point, I do think now that the more the more people say the the fans are actually making a difference in the stadium, naturally the more those teams who can't have any in the stadium will be saying, well, what about us? Is this really fair?
0: It's um, I have my um mute on because upstairs are clearly having a nice breakfast, and the fire alarm went off. <laughs> <laughs> the fry up's gone wrong. I will uh, <laughs> take them to task later. Um, Nick, uh, what do you think of the fans? Because what is is there any solution? Is it just going to have to suck up and, and maybe lockdown will unfortunately equal things up?
2: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, it's not football's decision, is it? Their 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 hands are tied. They have to. Listen. Listen to the science. Um, listen to the government. Um, and and there is there is precious little they are able to do uh, to do about it. I mean, in the, in the Midlands, Dean, you know, Dean Smith and Nuno, they everybody look. Uh, Brendan Rogers, Slaven village they everybody wants fans. Everybody does. Um, Nuno before um, uh, Liverpool was was. Uh, not too, not too concerned that it would give too much of an advantage and again afterwards um he, he was the same um, when we spoke to him uh pri- prior to the aston Villa game uh he, he felt that yeah okay well if they do get an advantage so be it that that's he he's he's been one of the managers who has been kind of very concerned about uh coronavirus and and very kind of in tune about um the the problems that everybody is facing outside of football. So he 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 is one that's kind of looking at the bigger picture, um, in terms of the whole kind of sort of society society issue. Um, yeah, unfortunately, there there is nothing they can do about it. But I'm just going on players of what Danny was saying about Calvert Lewin. There are players in the Premier League now who will have never played in front of a Premier League crowd. Uh, Fabio Silva, for instance, at, at Wolves. Um, Luke Thomas, who has done so well at Leicester. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these guys perform. I think. Silver in particular, because he has um, such a big price tag on his head, um, and especially now that he is filling in for, for Raul Jimenez, um, how he does when fans come back um, and, and and how they adapt and, and psychologically how they deal with kind of the criticism from inside the stadium because uh, like Goodison Park, Monlyneux can be a, a fairly unforgiving place from the from the home end.
0: Um, I was at West Ham, and it's two thousand fans. You can hear them, but it's hardly intimidating. Dom, two thousand in a cauldron of a stadium. Um, I know it's the London Stadium, but even so, it's not going to become too much of an encroachment.
3: No, no, and, and and yeah, that West Ham is is such a, a bowl of a of a ground that you know that that acoustic is lost anyway. But I, I just think we have to look at this and 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 recognise that it's a significant moment um that fans are being allowed back at all um it's significant for for the clubs even though they're actually making financial losses by only allowing 2000 in it's it's re-establishing that connection that, that have been lost over the last nine months and supporters this for, for them this is their second home that is the reality of it I, i've got mates who are going are going to sell us part it's we're going home we're going back to to where we belong. The level of excitement I would equate to them going to an FA Cup final. Okay, it's gonna be different. Everybody knows it's different, but it's a moment. And after this particular year, we all need moments, don't we? That's I mean, that is the way, that's the way it is. So I think when Mourinho was talking, he, he, was, he is reflecting the bigger picture. Well, we, this is a... A completely fluid situation we don't know what tiers people are going to be playing in next week let alone next month so on these rare occasions that supporters are in at the moment it's just a moment to be cherished whether it provides an advantage or not um it's it is psychologically significant for football for the country and a bubble for those for those you know men and women who can actually get into the games now
0: on Thursday, the Chief Executives will meet again in a Premier League meeting and the big six are set to push ahead and demand the five sub rule. How will that go down in the Midlands, Nick? Uh,
2: I don't think it'll go down spectacularly well. Both Dean Smith and Nuno have, have, have kind of argued that they're yet to see or they want to see more evidence of of, of how it is impacting player welfare. Um Wolves haven't got the biggest scores as it is. Arguably, they could be one of the ones who, who would benefit from it, but, but Nuno um, would, would would you know need some convincing, shall we say? I think uh, as as would Dean Smith. Um, Leicester again would would benefit from it given the amount of injuries that they've had this season. Regardless of the amount of injuries they've had, they've they've done remarkably well um, to to win their Europa League group and. And uh, and to, to to be challenging at the top end of the Premier League as well. Um, and I I I'm, I'm of the opinion of it, it is naturally going to help those with the bigger squads with the with the with the better players who, who are on who are on the bench who they can utilise so It would help the Manchester City. It would help Liverpool. It, it, it would help Chelsea. Um, but as 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 Danny said, perhaps rather. Um, underutilised as substitutes over, over the last um, couple of weeks or so. So, um, yeah, I, I, the, the managers will will try and have their say um, out in the press, but ultimately it's not their decision. They'll just have to abide by what what they're told.
0: The PFA have, have written to the Premier League and said that they believe it's now um, a matter that they would like Richard Masters to push through, believes it's now a welfare issue. He's he's declined that opportunity and says it has to be decided by the clubs. Um Danny, I, I can guarantee after Wednesday's match that Jürgen Klopp will have a big push for it again before that meeting on Thursday.
1: Yeah, you know, well he he's leading the way. Um, and you know, I find every single argument that he puts forward or Pep puts forward just completely and utterly unconvincing. However, there is only one reason why they will introduce, reintroduce five substitutes, and that's because everyone else is doing it. I mean, that is the standout reason why they should get it through, is because, listen, you know, they're doing it in Germany, they're doing it in Italy, they're doing it in Spain, they're doing it in the Champions League, they're doing it in international football. You know, It does look strange that there is one league that, that only has it. I actually believe that they shouldn't go to five substitutes. I don't see, I think, the player welfare thing you know, without being flippant about it, is a red herring. I think that the, the 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 leading managers will not make five substitutes because of player welfare. They might make five substitutes because they're getting beat two 0 with twenty minutes to go, and they can bring on. Imagine if yesterday. Imagine if they had five substitutes allowed, and Manchester City were being beaten uh, by one or two goals. In one instance, you know, Pep Guardiola can bring on can bring on five substitutes. He can bring on um, Bernardo Silva. Ferran Torres, Phil Foden, Ilkai Gundogan, he can change the he can change the team. He can change the whole, you know, attacking um dynamic of the team. When Jose Marino, when Spurs were 1-0 down, I think, to Royal Antwerp, Jose Mira brought four players on at half-time, didn't he? I think, if I recall rightly, did he bring them on because of player welfare? Absolutely. No, he didn't. He brought them on because, because the team was playing awfully. They didn't play that much better in the second half. That's what will happen. That is what will happen. That is why they want the five substitutes. Any idea? City were doing what Pep Guardiola wanted them to do yesterday, which was actually be a lot more solid, not conceding, as they haven't done for a long time, and really not in danger of losing the game. So he wasn't going to jeopardise that by bringing on a Phil Foden or someone like that. That's why. So he left those players on. So there was no concern about player welfare there. There's no you know, and, and and City played almost an entirely different team against Marseille in, in the week, so I don't buy into any of the arguments apart from one, and that one will carry the day. Is that how come the Premier League is completely at odds with every other league in every other major league in, in football? And and I, I think that is the only reason it carries through. I don't buy into the, the other stuff. I
0: want, I want to look to another fixture that probably isn't as exciting as everyone thinks it is, but I think we have to. Praise those teams that are really making a shift in the table and Southampton versus Arsenal has a very different take to it now I mean Arsenal was a player that traditionally took all those bright young things from Southampton to build up their squad and now Southampton look like the favourites going into this
3: yeah and Hasselhoff has done such a tremendous job there um you know when, when they when they were rocked back by United at St Mary's I, I it looked like it that might have been a sort of reality check to, to Southampton's momentum and okay they had some they had some fortune at uh, at Brighton but to to recover there and, and win that match has really uh, just reinvigorated them again they they what Hassan has done with to, to revive careers um in that team whether that be whether that be Danny Ings, whether that be sort of giving James Ward-Prowse the, the responsibility to drive that team on from midfield and and to to revel in his set piece delivery, um, even the guys at the back, uh, Vestergaard and the like, they they, they man, you can you can count Alex McCarthy in that actually in goal. I know that, that there's a sense that they're they're slightly weak in that uh, department and that actually if Dean Henderson does leave Manchester United on loan, that it might be Southampton he ends up at. But McCarthy has has had some inspiring games at, at Southampton this season, and that yeah, that there's a real belief and conviction in that team, um, which is which is great to see. Because again, it needs the context. It needs the context of of the nine 0 home defeat to Leicester last season, and 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 the recovery from that, and 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 now they look like a team that's destined for the top half of the table. That they are, they look a team that's further down the development line than Arsenal do. Um, Arsenal seem to be treading water still trying to trying to make their mark in the in the market so that they can play like a team that, that Mikel Arteta um hopes that they will become but Southampton are there mm-hmm. Southampton are, are basically a, a team forged in their manager's image and and they they look the real deal
0: um you were talking about Leicester let's go there for another big encounter let's take you back to Steven Gerrard and that famous slip. It was Mourinho against Brendan Rodgers, and we get that at the weekend. He's got two big in- encounters to deal with, Nick. But um, could Brendan stick the knife in? <laughs>
2: um, they certainly got the ability to at the minute. Um, it, it is a team that has been going places for for a number of years, but the, the the irony is that they they failed to build from a position of strength when they won the league. Um, they had 18 months of, of kind of I like guess getting to grips of, of, of what had happened and, and, and how to deal with that and how to progress. Um, but Brendan came in and the foundations were laid. They were already there. Torpwell gets a, a lot of uh, a bad rap, but the players that he brought in and, and, and what he instilled there um, laid the groundwork for Brendan Rodgers to come in and, and really push them on. Um, and with with Madison and and Bardi, Schmeichel, Evans, Justin has done sensationally well. They have a very well balanced and when everybody is fit deep, deep squad, the the injuries that they've had with Pereira and Didi Soinchu, but they they are on they are really on the cusp of something. I don't think they're going to win the league this year, but a but a trophy is, is well within their grasp, possibly even the Europa League.
0: Dunia, that was such a famous match, and uh, Danny Murphy um, speaking in the writing in the Mirror this week in uh, talking about how the gamesmanship that Mourinho had used in that, and said the the ball was out of play. I think was it four or seven minutes mm. in the first 20 minutes of the match. How much of that those antics might we see at Anfield, or or maybe even against Leicester, and and, and which will be the the bigger prize? Clearly for Leicester, and maybe the chance to beat. To beat that home record and and get that one win that he's that everyone's been looking for at Anfield.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that that would be. I, I, I think also um, the the trip to Anfield, I think, is always special for Jose Mourinho because I do think that I get the impression that deep down, you know, listen, he's managed you know so many big clubs. I do think that Liverpool is probably the club that he would have loved to have had a crack at. You know, I think I think the idea of of I suppose reawakening a a sleeping giant um, is one that that would have appealed to him. He loves the fans there. He loves the the connection of the club as with the fans. Basically, he would have loved to have done and been perceived by Liverpool fans in the way that Jurgen Klopp is. I mean, that is simple as that. He, you know, that is the sort of job I, th- I suspect that he would have liked. It would have appealed to his his um, his ambition, his ego. You know, if, if, if you want to call it that. That is, I think he has a. And you know, I, I do think, having been here, the Liverpool fans, despite what happened on on, on that famous day, the Liverpool fans have quite a bit of respect for him. I think they like his um, his style, and they, they they like his forthright sort of nature. So I think that's the one that will um, that that will really appeal to him. Because as I said, as as I mentioned before, he's in such great form. I mean, he won his you know was it his third or his fourth Manager of the Month, you, you know, and it was just brilliant the way he said, "Well." I call it the team of the month. Oh yeah, right. Like you know, I mean, I mean, it's the guy who, in the early days, when I remember him in the first stint at Chelsea, Don was was referencing his second stint. Well, I remember his first stint. He got he used to get so upset that um, Arsene Wenger would win manager of the month so many times, and he never did. In, in the end, I remember him sort of like basically summoning everyone to a lunch to sort of find out why. And how this Manager of the Month thing worked. And, and as it happened, as you well know, Kerry, you, you'd be on that panel. Well, you probably still are on the panel, are you? I'm not sure. But um, you decided to Manage of the Month. And at the time, the panel, you know, quite famously, was, 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 was you know, basically didn't like Jose. And, then he to, and, and he used to get so upset. But now, of course, he's won it. And oh, it's about the team in a month. It's not about me. Um, uh, but he, he's loving the time. And I, just, I do think Anfield has a special... Meaning to him for, for a lot of reasons, and, and that will be special, as will be you know, crossing the swords with, with, with Brendan Rogers. You know, I've, I, I'm sure the pair of them have got enormous respect for each other.
0: Um, I am on that voting panel, and <laughs> we wondered what would happen when he won it because the stats really were in his favor. Uh, I yes. can't say how I voted, so um, <laughs> but um, there was an expectation he would win it, and um it was we were wondering how he'd react and he actually broke the embargo of the announcement with his own announcement so there we go. it was <laughs> nothing cool. about him it was all about his team oh
1: all <laughs> about the team
0: classic the special team but not about him but the special team <laughs> Funny,
3: special when, he, when he when he won the manager of the year award in 2015 he went through that entire season without winning a manager of the month award yeah and he and he and he won he won the the manager of the year from the from the same body, and uh, that's exactly what he said. Then, exactly word for word, what he said. This is about the team. This is not about me.
0: I remember. Do you remember him going into Cobham and just being re- just every every month?
1: What what, what he normally does? It, it, it is a um, it, it's it's a rhetorical technique. Um, the name of which is a very posh name, and I can't remember it now. But it's a rhetorical technique where he says, "This isn't about me. This isn't about the twenty five trophies I won." I've won. This isn't about the Champions League. i won. This isn't about the FA Cups. i won. This isn't about whatever I've won. This is about the team. Haven't just then told you all about whatever. It is a famous <laughs> or rhetorical technique in, in literature, right? It escapes me now.
0: Sounds like a political pivot in reverse, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. We'll find the term for that for next week. Um, Nick, um, I'm going to go on to serious matters after the um, joviality of uh, Jose. Um, you were at Villa Park, on the day when the players, without announcement, took the knee for the first time, I was there. It was heart-stopping and and very touching. At the time, Black Lives Matter was on the shirt. Uh, The Premier League made the distinct choice, as did the EFL, to take away the association with Black Lives Matter, as was widely discussed at the start of the season. But uh, the Millwall fans booed, they didn't. They, they applauded the next message, but still this issue seems to be rumbling on. EFL considering uh, opening discussions about whether players should take a knee or not. Very good report by James Sharp, who sums it up. Everyone's had their say about Millwall. He went actually to speak to Millwall fans ahead of their game at the weekend. Some are saying that if players don't like the fact they don't take a knee while they can leave the club, still very strong in that point of view. Is it sad that it's come to this? Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. I mean, it's not unholy surprising, Um, not necessarily because it's any particular club, but it's just the the sort of fractured society that uh, that we seem to be living in um, at the minute. But um, what it has done, though, it has... Put it back into focus um, because it was it was striking when when um, Aston Villa and Sheffield United took the knee um, in in June when they returned for the Premier League. It 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 made an impact. It was it was it, it was um, such a visual um, visual event, and um, it, it was impressive and special um, and and needed to be done then it was over the course of the summer um, during the break that Les Ferdinand said that well he, he, he thinks it, it may have run its course. Um, I I was inclined to agree with him at the time because that it it was certainly now it, it it seemed to have become a sort of a pre-match tradition, a pre-match ritual where everybody just went and did it and it was almost accepted and, and we were becoming used to it. Not that it's not important at all but um, perhaps that significance and that impact have been lessened over the course of time. Um, but what happened at the den against Derby um, and, and, the, and the Milford fans seem to be taking well taking exception to it. Um, I think it's brought it back into focus. And, and those people who did that have, have kind of inadvertently shown that why it is so important and why why it is still needed um, really
0: um,
1: and and
2: and and why why the players are doing it really.
0: Do you think it's become too political?
1: It, only, only if you want to read political things into it. And, and as as Nick um, and yourself have, have pointed out, um, quite rightly, that, that, you know, it, it was made clear from from the very outset that this wasn't um, a political um, gesture. It was a gesture of solidarity for the fight against discrimination everywhere, if, in, in whatever guise that may take. And I just think, I, I just, I genuinely think that you know we, we can overcomplicate matters. You know, if players want to show, to do anything, to show their um, solidarity for that. If, if, if players want to do anything to show that they are continually mindful um, that there is discrimination out there, then then they, they 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 should continue to do it. I mean, I don't think it should be. I think going forward, you know, it, it shouldn't be a. You know, there will come a time when when it doesn't become part of the of a routine, and I think when it does become part of a routine, then you know maybe it does lose its impact. You know, the the impact of say a QPR player scoring the goal and then doing it instinctively after that as a gesture probably has more more power, more weight, more than the, 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 something that becomes part of a routine. I think you have probably got to guard against that. But if they wanted it before the game, then then, then I, I think it should. And again, I agree with Nick. And I think, you know, certain um, columnists and writers have brought this up, that actually what happened um last weekend actually was a good thing in the sense that in the sense a good thing in the sense it brought the focus back on about what it really means and what players are really trying to do, rather than it just becoming something that happens when the referee chirps on his whistle before the game.
0: And Ben, um, well, I think we're all focused on. The Millwall match, while I was also at the Chelsea game, we're all keeping an eye on what would happen. Then scenes developed at the PSG match, which we never imagined would happen, of two Champions League teams at the very top of the game walking off the pitch in a really important match. Um, ben Rumsey reporting in the exclusive that FIFA Pro have actually, are actually pushing for it to be an unpunishable offence if players want to walk off the pitch. Now, it's not in the Champions League because both teams decided to go off, but across UEFA, the FIFA, Premier League and the leagues, would you like to see that universal uh, discretion made? It's sort
1: of doesn't it? When you, when you hear the the, the, the idea that if, if, if you hear racial abuse directed at you and you walk off you can be punished you actually have to give yourself a second take saying really is that still the rule is that still the law I mean it, it is we know it, it is you know but it, it's in, in, in the moment when you just say it like that it's like we're pushing for players not to be punished for walking off because they are racially abused it's just you know it, it, it's incredible and of course they shouldn't be and and, and as you say again that 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 display of solidarity between the two teams listen you know, you know i hope the investigation to that incident will be thorough and very very transparent you know i think we need to know exactly what was said and what went on um because it looked quite chaotic scenes there um at the park of brands but the show of solidarity you know was and, and and walking off together um you know was well, well it, it's a game changer to a certain extent. But no, I mean going back to that, you know, I, I just think the idea that you can still be punished for, for leaving the field if you feel that you've been abused is just well it's just archaic.
0: Denver Barr's done an interview, Dom, um, and said he praised Endo Crivelli, who's the striker. He'd actually advised him, because he's quite a young player, that he should go back and play because he might face punishment. And and Enzo said, No, I I, I want to stand by. I think we should all stand together. I don't think we should go out. And and the fact that technical teams are having to suggest to their players that they should go out because they may be punished. It Can't be right. can it?
3: It's laughable. It's utterly ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I thought Denver Bard covered himself in glory in, in the week. I thought it was excellent. And the, the way that he was attempting to, the, the questions that he was asking on the, on the, on the touchline that we, you could hear what was going on. I thought he was, I thought that was superb and, and fair play to him for, for standing up to, um, to, to it all. I mean, horrific scenes really and and we don't want to see that at all and that's what we're that's what you know we, we, that's what we've got to eradicate from the game we've got to get to a point where, where this simply doesn't happen anymore um and, and you know what taking the knees part of that because when i hear well personally speaking when i hear people booing um players taking the to me that is just them booing an anti-racism protest simplistic yes but that's to me that's what it is and, and that, that can't be right
0: and gareth southgate suggested he'd like to see a review of the three-step protocol it, it, we shouldn't have to go through so many leap through so many hoops to let players walk off and that just england wanted to do it right to prove they've been following the protocols and they did that and didn't they just prove that they're a farce yeah, yeah. It, it,
1: it, it, are you referring to to what happened in Bulgaria? Yeah, yeah. And, and that was a, that was a strange night, wasn't it? Because you know, I, I think we all, who were out there, and Sophia thought that England could do themselves very well. I remember Tara and Ming speaking after that game extremely eloquently in the mixed zone after that game, and we all came away thinking they'd done the right thing. They beat Bulgaria. It, 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 you know, they punished them on on the field, so to speak, um, without being flippant about it. But I think in, in the long run, I think probably. We came away and probably Gareth Southgate came away thinking, did we really do the right thing? Should we have just walked off um, towards the end of that first half? And, you know, I mean, probably on reflection, it, 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 it's such an easy thing to say now, but may, may, maybe that would have set a precedent if they hadn't walked off and seen what uh, the authorities would have done in, in that instance, what UEFA would have done. I don't know. I, you know, And it will take something like that to really sort of maybe accelerate progress. That's the thing. you know, Could they have done it? Listen, I understand thoroughly why they didn't do it, Um, I I understand, but I also think there was a lot of soul searching in that, and and I understand why, and and, and maybe it will come to to an extent now when we go through more qualifiers for the World Cup, um, when we're playing, when, when more of these issues could come up, then maybe it will take one team to walk off to accelerate the progress.
0: Um, and England had their World Cup qualifying draw. Um, Gareth Southgate, is, if the five substitutes do happen, will be getting some of his way because he very much wanted to see that and and was looking to Germany and, and every country that was getting it knowing he wouldn't or it's looking that way. Um, did he get a bit of a victory as well at Old Trafford because the players' hugging was, of course, criticised by the Manchester United old boys, but isn't this a prime example? Stones and Maguire, two of a backline that have been heavily criticised, embracing. And I'm seeing it in tunnels, and I used to see it with all the French players that could be massive rivals for one minute, but then great friends off the pitch. Has Gareth Southgate got that right as much as it will irk the old guard?
1: I mean, Roy Keane saying what he did, I actually... Being at the game was also struck at what happened at the final whistle. I mean, it really was a loving between English players. I mean, I mean, McGuire, Stones, and um, Sterling involved there. even during the game. They were very, very respectful. Hence, there was only two bookings in the Manchester derby. Both of them soft. They are. There does certainly seem to be. Um, I mean, it should go without saying that there's a bond between international teammates. But going, you know, back to to the camp in. In, in Russia in 2018 um, and for There does seem to be um, a special bond amongst these guys, yes.
0: Um, and uh, Dom, I want to ask you for your unsung hero. Who's the player in the Premier League that's really been wowing you that you don't think has been getting enough of the glory? Uh,
3: well, <laughs> I thought don't, don't about wowing, but um, I, don't, I suppose I'm going to have to put my Palace hat on on this one. But... but um, Palace play Liverpool next weekend, and um, Nat Klein will come up against his former club. And this is a player that has been forgotten by the by the Premier League. Uh, really, uh, he's 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 so injury ravaged, in, in the last last two years, really, of his time at Anfield, um, and eclipsed in that time by the emergence of an absolute world superstar in Trent Alexander Arnold. There was no place for for Nathaniel Klein in 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 that setup going forward so he leaves on a free transfer and trains on his own over the summer and ends up signing a very short-term deal at palace really as a backup He's Been thrust into the team there and, and with each game that he's played tempting <laughs> a bit tempting tempting fate here but with each game he's played he has improved and got better and better and better and looks far more like the player that was excellent at, at southampton in the premier league and and initially at, at liverpool um now he's only on a short-term contract. His his deal expires at the end of January, um, and I would have I would have thought that who uh, Palace's priority uh, when they've got half a squad that's out of contract in the summer, but their priority at the moment should be getting him on on a longer-term deal because he 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 looks everything you know the player that he he once was prior to those horrible knee injuries, and I just hope that against Liverpool next week he he shows the world that Nick. I was to think.
2: You can look at Leicester with with Jamie Vardy, Telemans, um, Madison, Harvey Barnes has, has done exceptionally well this season. Um, but I have to look at Johnny Evans um, with the, the the money that they paid from three and a half million pounds in a for for a three-time Premier League winner in, a, in an era where the these are astronomical and, and and some of the time unjustified as well um johnny evans has come in and and just been sensational sensationally um under the radar basically um he he, he, he really kind of sort of knits the team together at the back especially when they've got wesley Fofana, who's 19 he, he he's come in and, and done brilliantly looks looks a uh, looks at Premier League player straight away. Um, and, you know, he's, Johnny Evans is. is uh, there's a two-year deal on the table for him at, at Leicester. I'm sure that will be be wrapped up very, very soon as well. Um, but, but for the for the money, the the impact, the quality that he brings, um, uh, he, he he just doesn't get the plaudits, doesn't get the headlines. Um, of course, he yeah, had Jamie Vardy, and, and and everybody going forward will will always nab them, but. Um, but for, for somebody who's who's got that longevity and, and and 33 next month as well, um, he, he's he's still doing it at the top end of
0: the pyramid. Danny,
1: yeah, I, I like that Johnny Evans um idea. I, I I'm totally with Nick on that one. I think I, I think actually you know he's been an unsung hero throughout his entire career, hasn't he? The most sung unsung hero probably. <laughs> um, but I I was thinking you know I I, I like. I was going to say James Ward-Prowse because I think, I think he, he, he remains an incredibly underrated player. But I, he probably is getting the acclaim he deserves now and the recognition, certainly, you know, um, that, that is coming his way. I, I would say another centre-half, I think, who, who, who's sort of re his reputation, I would say, going under the radar is Michael Keane. You know, Michael Keane, I mean, came in for a, a lot of stick, you know, from Everton fans um, and, you know, sort of fell out of the international picture. But I think he's been exceptional for Everton and I think he's he, he's, a, he's a great calming presence for them. So he would be mine. I think in Everton's start of the season, you know, maybe we, we've looked at Calvert-Lewin. We've looked at maybe the influence that James has had and Alain and, and Decore. But I think Michael Keane deserves an awful lot of credit as well.
0: I think that's an absolute score draw. I had to give red cards and yellows last week because they were all the people that were grabbing the headlines. So I'm just giving you yes. all three points each. <laughs> Top of the table, Fantastic, every story in there, just really, really insightful and wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. You truly are in the know. After a week of politics and prize fights that turned out to be a bit of a damp squib, let's be honest, we'll bring you some thrillers this week because there's so much to come. Thank you so much to Andy, to Nick, and to Dom for joining us. You are in the know.